iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and we thought we'd like to bring you a special Extra Time bonus off-air with me, Jane Garvey. And me, Fee Glover, because the World Cup is now just around the corner and the England men's team for the tournament has been announced. We've been looking ahead to the competition in Qatar. Yes, we've been talking to the Times chief football writer, Henry Winter, who joined us to react to some of the surprises in Gareth Southgate's England's men's squad and to debunk the concerns of those, including in this office, I have to say, somewhat fickle England fans. Well, the surprises really was that we're not talking about the players who've been omitted. I mean, I was trying to work out six of the last seven World Cups. We're always talking about a certain player not being called up despite sort of public and media clamour. But this time, Southgate surprised us all by being adventurous, by picking James Madison, the Leicester City number 10. He's a very creative bold player and it's a creative bold move by Southgate who is fairly conservative by nature so I think that's been the real headline of Madison getting called in particularly when you saw some of the headlines this morning speculating that he wouldn't be in the squad. Mm. Uh, Do you think we could also do a list of who's least knackered out of the squad that's being picked Uh, because Harry Kane was taken off wasn't he uh, in his last game would, would that have ever been to kind of make a point about this tournament just being at a really awkward time? Well, it was it was a really controversial decision by Antonio Conte, the Spurs manager, to start Harry Kane in a competition last night, which is effectively his club's uh, fourth priority. Um, on the eve, obviously, the Premier League games this weekend, and doubtless, sadly, we'll probably get an injury there and the squad will have to be rejuggled. But yeah, I mean, the players are, look, players are incredibly well paid and they're very well looked after in terms of sports science, in terms of all the sort of the diet, everything around them is absolutely elite level. Um, but, you know, they're like racehorses. You know, if you overtrain and overrun them, they will eventually tire. So it was concerning when Conti said, well, Harry Kane's got fatigue. And then you also, I'm sure Gareth Southgate was screaming at his television, saying, why are you starting him? So, you know, it's this whole age, I mean, you, you've been to past tournaments, you know, the age of um, conflict between club versus country. So, yeah, look, the players are going out there a little bit uh, exhausted, but, you know, there are other teams out there as well who've also had heavy workloads for their players. Can we just say a little bit about Gareth Southgate? He's a very he's a class act, isn't he, in these um, interview sessions that he does. And he was asked about inclusivity uh, in relation to Qatar and the LG, uh, LGBTQ rights. And I, I love this from him, the fact that he said, if it wasn't for the strength of that community, we wouldn't be women's Euro champions. Um, I mean, it's good that he acknowledged that. And it just it just sends a very positive message, doesn't it? 
He is. He's fantastic on culture. He's very much on inclusivity, diversity. You see the team. You see, and this is South, something that Southgate's always been involved in. This is not some sort of new work no. agenda that he's just parachuted into. So, no, he's 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 very impressive like that. He's got the culture right, but I think what a lot of England fans will say, he's got to get his tactics right, particularly in the second half. Yeah, well, can we just acknowledge that, and I'm going to say, I'm just going to say this. You're going to put your neck out? I don't think England are going to win the World oh, Cup, my Henry. I'm God. sorry, but I don't. Oh, my word. That's more than I can take. <laughs> Henry, how, how, over to you. How can, how, how can you say that? I mean, I thought... For, I mean, I thought he probably should have gone after the uh, after the last tournament. His his inability to react in the second half to tactical changes. He was outwitted by the Italian coach in the Euros final. But you know, as you say, the culture is good. The players like reporting for England. I think they'll probably get to the the quarterfinals out in Qatar, and then they'll run into maybe the French. You've only got to look at the quality of the Brazilian squad in particular to see. They've got an unbelievable strength and depth of players and also they've got an outstanding coach. Mm. I will say with England, we have some fantastic players. Have we actually necessarily got the coach who's going to take them over the line? I'm not so sure. And who out of that England squad do you think will come back absolutely, you know, hero of the hour, however far we get in the competition? (laughs) I think Jude Bellingham. I think he's just such an impressive individual. I think, look, there are two elements to this World Cup, clearly. It's on the field and off the field. And I do think, having spoken to some of the the, the players privately and what they've also said publicly, is that they will make certain uh, standpoints on LGBT um, issues, on migrant workers' rights out there. I don't think anyone from the FA or FIFA, and certainly not these supposed leaders of the world game like Infantino are going to gag them. So they will make their points out there. So I think they'll come back with reputation enhanced, particularly if they have spoken out. But I think in terms of players delivering, I think you'll see Jude Bellingham, his costs will probably go up another 30 billion euros from Borussia Dortmund to whoever's going to try and buy him from Real Madrid, Manchester City or Liverpool. That was Henry Winter, who's laid it on the line. Like myself, he doesn't actually think the England men are going to win. But in a weird way, Fee... I don't really mind because the England women won in the summer. So I've seen England winning something and I feel very relaxed about the whole thing. I know what you mean. So we've got something tucked in our back pocket already, haven't we? VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, Calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Although I don't want to make light of this tournament in Qatar because, to put it mildly, there are concerns, aren't there? Oh, many long-held concerns. I mean, one of the things that will always bemuse me slightly is that we have really ramped up our concern two weeks before the tournament. Yeah. We've known that the tournament was going to take place for many years anyway. 
Earlier in the week, we spoke to Kate Mason, a sports broadcaster who, in a new podcast documentary series, has experienced firsthand the human stories behind this year's controversial competition. Oh, well, it shouldn't uh, be taking place in Qatar. I mean, there is m- there is lots of evidence around how the World Cup was acquired by Qatar that suggests that it, it shouldn't have been possible for this particular country to be hosting what many people think of, what almost universally is thought of as the biggest sporting event on the planet. You know, they obviously have a lot of resource that they've put into Qatar, this is, into making PR around reasons why Qatar should have a chance to host the World Cup and positives around it. For me, I'm I'm supportive of the idea that the World Cup should go to the Middle East. I think one of the problems we have in football generally is that it's quite, you know, European focused, Western focused, you might even call it a tiny bit arrogant from that perspective. So that's positive. But but unfortunately, the way the way it's been done is I can't see too many positives apart from, I guess, perhaps if people become more aware of of, of the situation out there and, and some of the things that have gone on in the process of building these stadiums and building the venues that will be hosting all of these fans, not just in Qatar, I should say, but but more broadly around the Gulf as well. Can you tell us a bit about the people who you've managed to talk to for the podcast? Because I think your access uh, is is quite remarkable. Oh, thank you. Well, my goodness, we did have, we did have some. Well, I was going to say luck. Of course, it's all a bit of luck. No, and a hard bit work, of, um... Kate. It's never luck. It's always hard work. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I had lived out there previously. I'd lived out there for a couple of years in in light of this knowledge that the World Cup would be being hosted there. And as I am a football broadcaster, I was I was curious to see what I could find out about the place. And so as a result, I'd made lots of friends across all of these different communities. And I suppose being female in some respects a massive disadvantage, but in the respect of some of the people we spoke to for the documentary as it turned out, kind of amazing because on my on the first night back there, um, through a friend of a friend, they said, hey, there's, because I knew that there was a league of women footballers who played in Education City, which is where all of the uh, universities are. There's a closed football pitch in Education City, i.e. you can't look through the fencing of it. It's completely concealed. And this is where Qatari female Qatari players play football in a league on certain nights, a very few nights because for much of the year, it's too hot to play sport outdoors unless you're incredibly hardy. Um, so yeah, so we went, I went along just on my own with my, with my microphone um, taken in by a, an English woman that I knew. And I spoke to some of these girls who were not just, not just Qataris, but from Lebanon and all these various other places that I mentioned. And that was you know, when you, you're making your plans to go and you've, you've tried to build up for weeks and weeks to figure out who you're going to be able to speak to. That was a serendipity moment of being able to watch this football with these girls, talk about what it meant to them, talk about what the World Cup meant to them. In many cases, it didn't mean a lot. It was, you know, yeah, great. But in 2010, Qatar launched a women's national team and it's basically a fiction they haven't played since 2015. They've been taken off the FA off the FIFA rankings because they don't play. And they were talking to me about things that I hadn't even really considered from this perspective. Stuff like the players wouldn't have wanted to play in hijab necessarily. So they wouldn't have necessarily been covered day to day. But because many of their teammates were culturally inclined to be covered, 
they then couldn't film their practices. So they were, some of these girls wanted to get scouted. They had dreams of playing in Europe and they couldn't record footage of themselves playing. They, they couldn't be playing in public. And so this is a huge barrier for them to their dreams. Women's rights are clearly an issue here, but also the rights of, of people who are lesbian or gay. And mm. I think you have spoken to, well, the first ever Qatari able to come out as gay and presumably not someone who lives in, in Qatar. Yeah, quite right. We did. Dr. Naz Mohammed, he's been incredible speaking to um, speaking about this in a very detailed way. He, he lives in San Francisco now. He managed to get actually asylum um, in America. And he said one of the difficulties was, was proving that it was a problem to be gay in Qatar. Um, so that's something that this, I would want you to hopefully listen in to the, to the doc because it's quite a detailed conversation that we have about it. Sure, um, don't give know... away too much of your splendour <laughs> in this preview, Kate. But, yeah, but just to be clear, just there's, mean... there, there's no way yeah. he could carry on living. It's not an option for him to be openly gay in his own country. Is not an option, yeah. What was so interesting to me, speaking to people in Qatar, speaking to people... Um, who were Muslim and living there, not necessarily Qataris, but generally, was actually, and maybe this is naive, I don't know what you two think, but I was surprised by how miles back the conversation about being gay or about the LGBT community is, as in it didn't really exist as a conversation. So it just felt as though the work of someone like Dr. Naz to talk about this and to say, guys, look, I, I am gay and I've had to move away from home and very my heart as well, speaking to him, you know, the thought that he'd had to leave the country that he he is from, where all his friends are, where his family are, in order to go and be who he he truly is, you know, that that is huge to to convey that. And I think the bravery hopefully means that people can see that that there is a way that they can live the lives that mm. they want to live. I'm interested as well, Kate, in the workers who you've spoken to because so mm. many workers have died in making the infrastructure for this World Cup. The stadium worker you spoke to who was put on duty for 48 hours straight, uh, mm. was he still able to work? Was he in his job? Did you Were you only able to talk to him because he'd already left? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there were a number of stories. There's been some incredible work done by groups like Equidem out there to help us to, to meet people. Because another one of the big challenges was you don't want to put people at risk. So some of these, if you think about it, being in the country, I wouldn't, if I was still living there and working there, I strongly doubt that I would have felt comfortable about making a documentary like this with this level of, of honesty about the way this country looks to me and so if you think of me I'm British I have a British passport and the level of support that I would have from hopefully from from Britain if I were to run into any trouble and then you compare that to predominantly Bangladeshi workers that we spoke to um, and and also some Kenyan workers as well they didn't feel like they would have support and they felt very very vulnerable to what might happen to them in the process of you know trying to speak out for their rights so that was a story where that was a story we heard over and over again it wasn't that people weren't trying to talk about this stuff it was that it felt 
blocked off from them deliberately. And the fact that England, England, we're told, and I'm not sure that we know this, might wear rainbow armbands. Mm. It all seems. I mean, it's. A... Do you know what, Kate? That was a very telling. Mm. <laughs> well, it's. It, yeah. Well, it's. It's just a bit. It's farcical, isn't it? What? No. Go on. What were you going well, to say? It's just it's that. It's heavy, heavy, heavy sigh. It's a farce. I mean, uh, what really concerns me is that I, you know, I love football. I'll. Pro- will I sit there and watch it? Probably. I suppose the argument could be, Kate, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, that if Qatar did want the World Cup so it could do some extensive sports washing on its reputation, that's really failed. If you never knew anything about the (laughs) state before this, you now do do and it's not good. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point. And if you think about people perhaps might be a bit more alert to, you know, vast ways of, um, of London are also, you know, owned by Qatar money. Um, so that's an interesting point as well. The question about this, this, this conversation about soft power, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a good positive angle on it. Ah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think there's some thought that the point I wanted to make, the point we wanted to make when making this documentary, as I'm, as I'm sort of breaking out when I'm talking about the way that Qatar society is made up, is that it's not all just one thing, right? And there are these young people in particular who are hoping to change things and are perhaps working away just gently to try and change perspectives now we don't know what will happen but in a way it may be seen that this is this has fast forwarded that process a little bit and of course when you're making a documentary like this you have to go back to um the Qatar government and say oh have you got any have you got any comment for us on this just you know to make sure that we're doing this right and they can point to examples of how for example with amnesty there are there is information out there that says amnesty say that there has been progress made beyond what you've seen in the rest of the gulf do they attribute it to the world cup being there you know it's backwards and forwards but i suppose that is one small positive but look i'm not i'm not trying to say oh yeah it's really good that you know i don't i don't think it is and i don't think the world cup should be there of course but i what i do want to do if this is people's route into understanding that part of the world I do want to say that there are people there whose voices you're not hearing. And I hope that we've managed to bring some of those to light. That's the sports broadcaster, Kate Mason. And if you just go to the search engine of your podcast app, your chosen podcast app, and if you just look for Football Ramble, you'll find Kate Mason's podcast. Um, I think that's going to be properly interesting. So what do you think, Fee? Is it coming home? I think think they're coming home quite early. That's that's my considered opinion, but I don't... And mine. I'd, I wouldn't mind if they do. Is that a terrible thing to say? Because I know that you think that once you start watching the tournament, the sport will properly kick in and take over and you'll want them to go all the way. But at the moment, I'm so reticent about all the other stuff around it. I don't mind if they come home quite soon. No, I do agree. I can't even pretend to disagree with you. Anyway, that's it for this bonus ball edition, get it, of... Jane and Fee off air. We're back with normal, normal stuff Monday to Thursday next week. You have been listening to Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Ben Mitchell. Now you can listen to us on the free Times radio app or you can download every episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that if you liked what you heard and thought, hey, I want to listen to this but live, 
Uh, then you can, Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5 on Times Radio. Yeah. Embrace the live radio jeopardy. Thank you for listening and hope you can join us off air very soon. Goodbye. helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.